Today on CityCast Philly. We live in a city full of interesting people, historic landmarks, and a wide variety of birds. I'm chatting with the founder of a birding group about some of the best places in the city to see our feathered neighbors. It's Tuesday, March 21st. I'm Trina Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Elise Greenberg, you're the founder of Philly Queer Birders. Elise, where are the best spots to go look for birds in the city? Oh, there's so many, um, which is what I love about Philly. Um, But I think one of the best places is probably John Hines um, National Wildlife Refuge. It's got a mix of habitats. It is America's first urban uh, wildlife refuge. And um, one of my favorite places to go. Um, But FDR Park is great. Um, Penny Pack Park up in uh, Northeast is great. And lots, all the little pocket parks, too. All really wonderful spots to go. Well, Elise, tell us, when did you start a bird watching group? Well, I started the group in um, March of 2021. Okay, so a year after the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> or a year into the pandemic, really. Really, yeah. Things were feeling you know, a little bit lonely, a little bit bleak. You know, vaccines were only just becoming available. And mm-hmm. um you know, I, I had just gotten a bit more seriously into birding and it was a safe activity to be outside, to meet new people, uh, to create community. And I took off in a way that I did not expect. I, you know, had hoped to get a group of people together and it was a big group of people. So really, <laughs> really exciting, uh, exciting stuff. Right. And you created a queer birding group. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think that you know, a lot of people will often ask, like, why create a queer birding group? Why is that needed? Isn't birding not based off of identity? And I would agree that, like, anyone can be a birder. But I think that historically, um, the outdoors have not always been the most welcoming to queer people, perhaps not as welcoming to um, birders of color, uh, women. I think birding is often seen as an expensive hobby for old white men. And, um, you know, that is why we have this group so people can feel comfortable and safe and affirmed um, while picking up a new hobby that might not feel super comfortable yet, or they might not feel like they are easily able to get into it. And you can meet a lot of people who you might have a lot in common with. So, there's a need and a lot of people really enjoy it. And I think that it just makes the outdoors and birding and, you know, enjoying green space in Philadelphia more accessible for people. What surprised you about Philly's birding community? Uh, Philly's birding community is really extensive. There are a lot of different groups. So in addition to Philly Queer Birders, there's also In Color Birding Club, um, a group that centers birders of color and their allies. There's also the Feminist Bird Club uh, Philadelphia, which is one of many, many chapters around the country and even overseas. Uh, Bird Philly, they were um, one of the first that I got involved in. A lot of really great experts involved in that group. Um And I mean, there's so much other birding beyond those groups, too. There's just a lot of people out birding. And I do think the pandemic contributed to it. But I do think that Philly being on like a migratory pathway 
Okay. It's really like it lends itself to some really um, interesting, sometimes unexpected birding. And um, I think that's really allowed like the culture of birding and creating more birders to thrive here. Okay. So you mentioned a migration path. What's a migration path? (laughs) So um, the migratory pathway up the East Coast is one of our main migratory, like bird migratory areas. So we are right at the beginnings of spring migration. So um, birds are starting to make their way through Philadelphia. Oftentimes Philly is just like a stopover for a few days while they get some food and some rest on their way a little farther North or in some cases, a little farther South for some of our winter residents. But if you're a bird and you see a big green area, you're going to want to land there. And we have a lot of green areas amongst a really big city. So What types of birds might we see with these migrations? Um, You have woodcocks coming through, and they are some of our earliest migratory residents. Um, They're these great little shorebirds who do kind of a funny walk, and they make a great little noise. (laughs) But starting pretty soon, we'll have some warblers coming through. They're small songbirds, and there's many, many different types. Um, And depending on where you are in spring migration, you'll see different types. So Elise, it's finally spring. Is this the best time of year to go birding? I would say that almost any time of year is a great time to go birding. I think it's a common misconception that you won't see any birds in the winter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Winter is a great time to see ducks. You don't have to get up early. They're just sitting on the water. Um, They're just (laughs) hanging out all day. Um, I see a lot of geese, too, um, when I take a walk on Kelly Drive sometimes. Oh, yeah. And a lot of those are here year round. So definitely um, a common bird and sometimes kind of mean, but for sure. (laughs) But, um, you know, we've, we've got birds all year round. We've got gulls in the winter. We've got ducks in the winter. But springtime, because you have migrants coming through these are birds you would not see for maybe more than you know a few days or a few weeks of the year until they make their way to their summer breeding grounds okay so what types of birds um, other than the ducks and the geese are you know more native to philly Well, we have a variety of raptors that are in the area year-round. Red-tailed hawks are super common. Um, You also have uh, red-shouldered hawks, very common. You know, a few warblers that might overwinter, um, like a common yellow throat that's not unheard of to stick around. Um, Morning doves are here. You've got pigeons. You'll see those all the time. Yeah, lots um, of pigeons telltale. <laughs> yeah, the American robins, um, they're often around, but they're a little quieter in the winter, and now they're starting to kind of get more chatty. Um, yeah, mallards, you'll see a lot of those around um, kind of all year round. Do you have a favorite bird that you like to see? Um, I'm a big fan of a cedar waxwing. Um, what do they look like? Oh, I personally think they look like a little flying mango with eye eyeshadow on um, (laughs) okay (laughs) which is kind of a ridiculous uh description but they're kind of like this yellowy orange um small bird they eat a lot of berries um and they have kind of like a little black mask and you know we'll start seeing those around too they have a very very high pitch call and uh, you know i just think they're very like stunning for a bird that you see fairly commonly in the warmer weather Elise, when did you get into birding? 
was there a moment or a particular bird sighting that really sold you on this hobby? I mean, it's something I've been into for a while. I studied biology in school, did some ornithology. Um, I've done field work before, Mm -hmm. kind of alongside birding. But I think the thing that inspired me at least to like get a little more serious about it in Philly um, was when a vagrant tundra bean goose came through. Um, Any birders who remember that would probably laugh at me. Um, But it was, I mean, it's a great, it's a bird that is not supposed to even be on this continent. Um, And it just kind of got a little or a lot lost. And it was hanging out at the Discovery Center in Fairmount Park, um, along with the Canadian geese. Do you think it went through the migration path? I mean, it is supposed to be in Russia. So really, I think it it got probably knocked off course by like a storm or, you know, kind of got its wires crossed. Don't really know. Um, (laughs) But I mean, you know, that happens with birds where it's not totally unheard of. And to see the number of people who were so excited to come even from out of state to come see this fairly unimpressive looking goose you know it's kind of gray you know it's kind of small you can't really easily pick it out from the Canadian geese and um I thought that was really amazing and I was like okay you know let's let me go explore a bit more in Philadelphia (laughs) Mm -hmm. how do you actually get into birding where should people start I think that there's a big movement in the birding community to kind of like redefine what birding is kind of as simply the enjoyment of birds. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether you are sitting at your desk listening to a bird sing outside your window or actively outside with binoculars, like looking for a specific bird, I think either of those could be considered birding. I mean, the great thing about it is you don't really need much. You can go outside or even inside with your windows open and kind of either identify a bird or don't identify a bird. But I think it brings me a lot of joy to just kind of like feel a little more connected to nature. Um, If you want to see birds closer up, definitely some binoculars. If you want to know what bird you're hearing or seeing, um, there's a great app called Merlin that will ask you a series of questions about what the bird looks like and will help you identify it. Um, Or Mm -hmm. they even introduced a new feature where you can basically hold your phone up, take a recording of its song, and it will tell you with some some amount of accuracy what bird you might be hearing depending on where you are. I wonder if I started singing, would it pick up (laughs) my singing? It might, if you got really (laughs) good at imitating bird song, um, which some people I know have, they've been able to trick Merlin. Um, But, Yeah, I think that like a lot of people, it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to identify birds, there's tools for that. If your goal is just to go outside and enjoy birdsong and not keep a list, that's great too. And I think that's kind of like what our group seeks to encourage is just like meeting you where you're at and figuring out, you know, as a beginner, maybe somebody who's never considered themselves a birder before, like, how would you like to enjoy that? Right. So you mentioned binoculars. Um, you mentioned the app, Merlin. Are there any other things I should bring if I wanted to go out birding? I guess yourself, maybe a good pair of uh, shoes if you happen to be going off path. Mm-hmm. Some people have a scope um, to see birds really far away. Um, but 
those can be kind of expensive for sure. You could bring a book if you're more of like a, you know, handheld person, like um, you could bring a bird identification book with you. Um, you could bring a physical list if you want to keep a list of the birds you've seen, you know, or you could seek out a group that could kind of guide you in that quest to see or hear some birds. Elise, let's talk about etiquette. Should I be a certain distance away from a bird or, you know, do I need to be quiet? near the birds what are the do's and don'ts i would say definitely like keep a respectful distance um you know respecting nature respecting space respecting others around you um i think that's another thing that you know will make birding more accessible like not assuming someone's birding ability or that they want to be explained or that they don't know anything about birding I think right now, particularly um, keeping a really, really safe distance from owls, they are very easily uh, spooked, stressed by human presence if it's too close. Um, and if you're a person who lists birds on um, the app eBird, which is kind of like a public list of what birds people have seen and where, oftentimes people will not list an owl because too many people might show up and stress the owl out. So, Oh, interesting. You know, it kind of depends on the bird. You know, to make birding more accessible to people, um, you know, I think it's just being kind and being welcoming. And I love seeing other birders out in the field. So uh, saying hi. That's Elise Greenberg, founder of Philly Queer Birders. Thank you so much for your recommendations and for joining me on CityCast Philly. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Check out upcoming events with Philly Queer Birders at the link in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. The owner of the University City Townhomes in West Philly is close to making a deal with the city. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, IBID Associates and the city are proposing to set out some land for a new affordable housing development and create a fund for the residents who were displaced from the site. It's reported that most residents have already left the town homes on 40th and Market Streets. And SEPTA won't be moving forward with its King of Prussia rail line project. According to Philly Voice, the transit agency didn't get the federal funding it needed for the four-mile extension of the existing Norristown high-speed line. It's reported that SEPTA now has over $300 million to use for other projects. It's time for the tip of the day, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. If you're looking for affordable dental care for your kids, check out the pediatric dental clinic that's actually inside a school. That's right. According to WHYY, Temple University School of Dentistry, partnered with the Philadelphia School District to provide children in Brewerytown access to quality dental care at the William D. Kelly School. The clinic is located on 28th and Oxford Streets. If you have a tip of the day, we'd love to hear from you too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode about the birds you may see in the city, why not tell a friend? 
rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter too. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news and spring activities happening around the city. Bye. Bye.